When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Nicole. How are you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, I can hear you pretty good. Great. So how's everything going for you? Everything's been going really great. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. And I just want to say thank you for wanting to do this review with me and everything. I know this is your first time actually seeing this film. Yeah. So I'm excited. Like, I'm really excited to talk about this. All right. So I'm going to go on ahead and introduce the show, introduce you. And then from there, we'll go on ahead and do the review. All right. Hello, movie lovers. And welcome to the show for today's podcast. I actually have Nicole. Say hello to everyone, Nicole. Hi, everybody. I'm back. (laughs) That's right. And it's not, get this, last time I was been, what, a couple of months? Now I actually have you back again. Maybe uh, about three or four weeks later. So that's actually a good thing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see here. This is actually called The Mothman Prophecies. And this movie has actually had a budget of $32 made $55.1 million at the box office. Which it didn't do that well. So it was a hit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it made back some money, but like not enough to be considered a hit. Right. That's true. It's not like a smash hit or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I probably wouldn't have checked this movie out until like last year, like whenever I was with my ex-fiance's parents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I actually had a request from one of uh, my fans and everything that asked me, why don't I do the Mothman Prophecies? So I'm like, okay, we'll do it. So what was your initial thoughts okay. going into this? So this is actually, I think, also the first time I've heard of this movie. So I was like, this is interesting, and I know of Mothman as like a, a cryptid, sort of, not really like a monster, I guess. So I was sort of interested to see where this would go. Um, and like, you know, I like Richard Gere. He's a great actor. And um, I was a little, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know how he'll do in a horror movie, because I, I don't think I've ever seen him. In no, movie. and that's another thing that actually fascinated me with, is the fact that he's actually in a paranormal type of movie supernatural type of movie which is totally different than what we actually see him in for especially the early 90s because we're all familiar with pretty woman runaway bride Mm -hmm. he did uh chicago he was in chicago like that's kind of my thing i remember him from and so it's like seeing him in this and you know what this was the same year as chicago right that's right it sure was Another thing, though, too, is he was actually on... So that's just really bizarre. Right. But another thing, though, too, he did play on Primal Fear, which is with him and... uh, What's the guy's name from Fight Club that I'm trying to think of? Edward Norton. Brad Pitt? No, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. Okay. And he was actually in that kind of uh, thriller type of movie as well, where Mm -hmm. Richard Gere had actually proved that he was actually innocent and stuff like that, because he was actually someone that was mentally disturbed. So he actually had mm-hmm. to try and prove his innocence. Yeah, like, this just, this does seem sort of just out of his, 
I guess, wheelhouse. Yeah. But, you know, because, like, when I think of Richard Gere, I think of someone who's suave and sophisticated and he's usually playing the romantic lead or, like, you know, this really smart, fast-talking guy. So seeing him in this was interesting. And I actually think he did a good job. However, with all that being said, I don't think I can classify this movie as good. Right. There are some hiccups in this film that are, you know, kind of cheesy, kind of out there and left field kind of thing Mm -hmm. in different spots. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a few minutes, too. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting because, like, I don't hate this film, but I don't love it. You know? Well, back when I first watched it, I was like, okay, this movie's actually pretty good. And then I went on ahead and rewatched it again, and I'm like, okay, there is definitely some hiccups in this film that I didn't notice the first go-round. Yeah. And see, my thing was like, it's one of those things, I thought this concept was interesting, but as the movie got on, I kind of got a little confused Okay. Because in all complete honesty, we don't really actually see the Mothman. We see, like, people's visions of him, if that makes sense. Right. And matter of fact, this is actually based off of a true story, though, too. Yeah. I read it was based off a book. Yeah, that, too. It was actually based off of a book, based off of true events and everything, too, in a little place called Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yeah. Um. So, like, I would, yeah, like I said, like, the movie is a little cheesy there's a little bit of cheese which is not bad like (laughs) see okay one of the things that i wrote down like immediately um is he and his wife are going to look at a house and now they have not bought this house yet and they go into a (laughs) random closet and start making out it's very obvious they're gonna start having sex and then the like realtor (laughs) opens the door and i'm like why the heck were you guys trying to do that when you have not bought this house it was so random weird and i'm also like yeah i'm like i don't i don't think couples actually do this like what but i will say deborah messing was really pretty i do have to say she was very beautiful in this film and i loved her Mm -hmm. eyes her eyes was the main thing i really loved about it oh yeah but they were hypnotic just to let everybody know, Richard Gere is actually a journalist, and basically what winds up happening in the first five, ten minutes of this film is the fact that he's in a rush to go meet his wife because they're actually in the process of trying to buy a house. So when they first get go to the house, I don't know, maybe buying a house makes them horny? I don't know what it is. I'm guessing. <laughs> but um, unless they miss each other, I don't know. But anyways, maybe, I don't know. but they go on ahead, they meet up with the realtor, and then that's when they go on their own little adventure. And, <laughs> and then they wind up finding this closet, and then they wind up making out, like Nicole said, and... You know, they start getting uh, sweaty, if you will. <laughs> they wind up getting <laughs> And they start having one nap sex. Oh and then, of course, the realtor opens up the closet and finds them in the closet. And they're like, oh, this is good closet space. We just wanted to check the uh, closet space out. And the realtor is just as awkward as anything. <laughs> the- I feel kind of bad for the realtor. He's like, oh, geez. But see, um, so unfortunately, though, see, they're they're driving, and for some reason, she's going really fast, and she oh. sees something. At first, I thought it was another car, but it's a supposedly the Mothman, so she, like, swerves out of control, and she hits her head against the, the window. Right. Um, 
Richard Gere is fine somehow. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, it's just her that got hurt. Like, there's no blood or anything. And I'm like, did we just, I, I don't know. It was really, that was a little odd to me because I think he would at least had a, some injury. I agree with she, you. She ends up in the hospital. Right. Because another thing, though, too, and this is my second time, well, maybe third or fourth time watching this film. But I don't know about you, but when her head hits that w- window, it makes me hurt. I mean, every single time I hear that sound, oh, yeah. I'm like, ow. Oh, that that was because it's not just that, that it looks painful, but you hear the sound of her mm-hmm. hitting her head and you just go, Ugh. right. But you know, they're I think that they're actually quick to try and get home because they actually do want to have sex at their own house. That was probably it, yeah. And so, um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Richard Garrett's not even injured or anything like that, which I found weird as well. Because you would think that he would mm-hmm. actually have some kind of injuries, even though it was on her side. Yeah. Also, the car didn't have that much damage besides the window. Besides the window. Too, and, like, right. Besides I the, didn't remember anything else. Well, the front grill had that V on there. That is true. Yeah, there was some damage to the, uh, the front. But see, unfortunately, Mary... Now, okay, this was a little... I also thought this was just a little weird. Mary does not die from the car accident. She dies from a tumor she had. Right, which I find kind of unusual. But I'm wondering, too, with that vision that she had, because I haven't seen the... I haven't read the book. But I'm wondering if the book... Yeah, I haven't read it either. Because here's the thing. I'm wondering if the Goes book... Detail. Yeah, I'm wondering if that... Maybe the thing from the moth from moth, the Mothman itself caused a tumor, which caused her to die? That could possibly make sense. Of course, they don't really explain that, but right. uh, what you gonna do? <laughs> and then, okay, so unfortunately Mary dies, and when uh, what, the character's name is John, a.k.a. Uh, Richard Gere, goes to get her stuff, this orderly comes up and said, she knew. And I was like, what, what the heck? Like, that actually creeps me out. I'm like, uh, dude, he does not know you. You don't come in and say she knew after she died. And he's like, she was drawing angels. And there's this, like, book here. And, of course, it's going to be filled with some cryptic, st- cryptic stuff. The stuff she drew does not look like angels. Not like what people usually think right. angels are. Obvious, she was drawing a monster, and I'm like, "What kind of orderly sees that and think, oh, these are angels?" What was up with that orderly? He creeped me out. I was like, "No." Right. I, that's something that I didn't understand either. Because also, too, the last words that his wife said, "I just want you to be happy," and I'm like, and all you see is Richard Gere kind of awkwardly just looking into her eyes. I'm like, and usually you yeah. can tell that there's something there. Like it's like it's going to be okay. My happiness is mm-hmm. with you. But he doesn't say anything. Yeah. There's nothing that gives Yeah, I feel like me... See, I want to sort of, I guess, explain something. Like, a lot of people think, oh, it's always an actor's fault if a movie is bad. Well, if they're not giving good direction, there's nothing they can do. And I have maybe a feeling Richard was like, um... Am I supposed to say anything? No, just, just look at her awkwardly. It's like, well, okay, you're the boss. Also, did you notice that he didn't fix the window of his car? Oh, yeah, he sure didn't. Even whenever we get into that other plot line in a minute, he's he still didn't fix that. Yeah. After two years of 
for passing away. It's like a little memento of saying, okay, my wife had died in this car. I think I'm just going to keep that as a momentum for her. A memento for her. That's probably not a healthy coping mechanism, but okay. And then um, we get, we jump to, it was, um, his wife dies in 2022, not 20, my bad. And then we jump to two years. And, um, this was also something I noticed. Now, I know, like, cell phones were starting to get popular in, the, like, the early 2000s. Nobody uses cell phones in this movie. At all. Well. I didn't see a single person use cell I thought cell they phone. did. I thought, I want to say that they did. I don't remember. Well, see, uh, he, um, I think he was going for an interview or something. Right. He was going to, was that what, he was going to an interview. Yeah. And he ends up in West Virginia somehow. Right. And he his car breaks down, or I think he runs out of gas, and he goes to... Okay, now, this is something that really just... I see this a lot sometimes in movies, and really bad movies. He goes to a random house and knocks on the door and asks to use the phone. Now, I would never do this, because this is how you end up disappearing. <laughs> Right, and then that guy answers the door, and he's like, "He's oh, like, yeah. you've been call- you've been coming up here all the time." And he goes, "No, I haven't." Yeah, like what? He just pulls him into his house, and he the, the guy, his name's Gordon, has a shotgun. And then in the next scene, Richard Gere is in the shower. Gordon is pointing the shotgun at him, and. Like everything's just like all hell is broken loose, but it's just like again, you don't knock on the doors of houses you don't know. That's just you don't do exactly, that. especially if you live out in the country like I do. Which yeah, oh yeah, no. yeah, you do not answer the you do not knock on strangers' doors, and because you know Absolutely. down here they they believe heavily on their uh, sidearm, if you will, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I do have to say that part was actually kind of that that part was actually creepy, especially whenever he said, "Well, you you coming up here almost all the time." Whenever Richard Gere just got into literally into West Virginia and has no clue at mm-hmm. how he got into West Virginia, because I think wasn't he in Washington? He said, and then he just ended up in West Virginia. They never explained that either. I want how that happened. I thought that he was going from Chicago to oh wait no you're right he was going from chicago to west virginia to interview somebody oh yeah it was the governor Um, or something like that some political figure yeah and then um i guess his uh gordon's wife calls uh the uh local the police and one of the officers comes and her name is connie and i i felt like she was a little too calm because i mean this guy, he like Gordon basically kidnaps Richard Gere and has a gun pointed to him. And she is just, I mean, I think it was a good thing she was calm because she was able to de-escalate the situation. But she just sort of, like, if it had been me, I'd been like, why the heck did you push this guy into your house? Do you have any idea how bad that would have been had you shot him? Right. But not only that, but he goes, but you do know that I can shoot you, right? And she goes, technically, you would have to be outside your house, not inside your house. Why would you say that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh so, my gosh. 
Also, Richard Gere is also a little way too calm, because if it had been me, I'd be freaking out. Exactly. But, and, you know, I, w- I would expect him to act calmly if he worked for, like, the police department or anything like that. But wa- working for yeah. the Washington Post, I would think that he would actually freak out a little bit more, unless he sees this all the time in his bi- line of business where someone pulls a gun out on him or something. I would hope not. Jeez. I don't know. but Oh, gosh. So then... Um, like Gordon says, this is the third consecutive night someone's like knocked on his door at two thirty a.m. Um, and he says it's uh, Richard Gear, and he's like, no, it's not. Um, but like, I guess since uh, Richard can't get back home, he decides to stay in Pleasantville for a, a night. So he goes to a um, ho- a, a local motel, and then we kind of get more into the story proper and. It's basically people have been seeing weird things. People have been having weird dreams. People have been drawing the Mothman. And Gordon even uh, talks to Richard Gere and is saying, like, I've seen the Mothman. You know, right. he's like, I-, I saw it. And see, the th- now the thing is, is like I said, I thought this could have been interesting. But one of the major problems is we're not exactly sure what the Mothman wants. Right, we don't have an understanding of what he is or what he or what he wants right now or anything like that. All we know, all we know is like people see weird uh, drawings of him. They see certain things that emulates the Mothman. Like for instance, when Richard Gere's uh, wife sees the flashing lights or whatever, and it flashed mm-hmm. red, which caused her to have the uh, which was an image of a moth which caused her to have that accident and everything. That's the only things that we are going off of right now because that's all we all actually have. So I like the little bit of the mystery element to that. It's like, okay, what does this Mothman want? What, what's, what's so important yeah, about it's... Richard Gere's character that he's after him? Yeah, it's just the only issue is we don't, we don't get to find out the mystery. Like, we don't get to solve it, unfortunately, because... It then sort of becomes a little like, oh, what's that movie called? A little like, um, oh, I know what you did last summer, almost. It also feels like that, but also feels like Final Destination, once you get towards the that's end of the it. One. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Because the Mothman is like... Now, see, I don't know if the Mothman was killing people or if he was, like, prophesizing it. I have no idea. Well, here's the thing. Remember, uh, he actually gave images to other people to let them know that certain people mm-hmm. are going to die at a given time or something like that like for instance yeah. whenever he winds up telling uh gordon that 99 people are going to die he has no clue at who's going to die or anything yeah. like that he just knows that 99 people are in danger so that's the only thing that he is going off of he does not have he says he does say in denver he says in denver right. 99 will die right so that's the only two things that they that he has. Denver and 99 people are going to die. So he has no clue at what's going to happen. Is there going to be a plane crash? Is there going to be a bus accident? You know, I'm just thinking of plane trains and automobiles pretty much at that point of like, yeah. who's going to die? 99 people. It could be shootings. It could be just different things in general. But yeah. then we find out and later then, on. Now, oh, go on. Yeah, I will. I think we're both going to say the same thing, but um, Gordon and his wife and 
uh, Richard Gere at a diner talking about it. And then Richard Gere notices the TV and he goes over and turns it up. And in Denver, there was a plane crash that killed 99 passengers. So I was like, okay, that was actually really clever. But again, the thing is, we don't know what the Mothman caused it, if he saw it or what. They still kind of don't explain that. Right. They don't explain that at all. And I also want to go back to your other thing about cell phones. I'm remembering now, it, it, he does not have any cell phones at all in this film. It is so weird because they're using really old phones, like phones they don't make anymore. And I was just like, nobody has cell phones at all. Not even like a little flip phone. It's so bizarre to me. Like if this was maybe in, let's say, 1990, like the 1990s, that would make sense. Or like the 1980s. Cell phones were like, they had cell phones, but they were big and cumbersome and really thick. And Oh, yeah. They were, you couldn't put them in your pocket at all. They were massive. But, like, this is, again, the early 2000s when cell phones were starting to become more popular and accessible. So it was just weird to see them use nothing but landline phones. Right. And later that night, Gordon calls John and says that he is standing next to someone named Ingrid Cold. Mm-hmm. And John does not know who Ing- who this person is. Um, While John keeps Cold on the line, Officer Mills checks on Gordon. Cold answers John's questions, including ones he could not possibly know the answers to uh, to convincing. Like, for instance, what's my, uh, where's my watch at? And he actually put the watch in his shoe. And then all of a sudden, Igrid winds up saying, it's in your shoe. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that scene was actually pretty... It did a good job of, like, conveying the powers of this creature and being a little, like, intense and suspenseful. Unfortunately, that doesn't really transfer to the rest of the movie. No, not at all. And then the chapstick, whenever he actually has his hands on the chapstick as well, that also creeped me out. There's also the part where, of course, with the watch and the shoe, that creeped me out because I actually had goosebumps just from watching that. But... It just, after that, it kind of loses its place. It kind of loses it in the background on, on some of the stuff that goes on. Yeah. Because, uh, like, again, we don't know why the Mothman is doing this or if it's doing anything. Like, see, one of my things I feel about horror movies, if you're going to have some sort of supernatural being, no matter what it is, it has to have some sort of, you know, purpose. Like, um, mm-hmm. let me see think of a good example like um you know um oh okay in slither i know i've talked about slither guys just bear with me but in slither the creature's um purpose is to expand to multiply it's a mindless creature and that's the only thing in its mind is to infect other people and spread you know so that's something and that gives us you know, a reason to want our heroes to fight it because it's trying to take over everybody and spread. But with the Mothman, we don't really know what he, what it wants or why it's doing any of this or if it is doing any of this or if it's just um, doing it for shits and giggles. Like, we really don't know. Exactly. And that's something that I don't understand either. Like, if Richard Gere's wife died of a tumor, if the Mothman did give her the tumor. Why didn't it kill Gordon? 
and everything. Yeah. After he told Richard Gere the information that he was told that 99 people are going to die, you would expect maybe Gordon would have died after that fact. Yeah, and he doesn't die until, like, I think towards the end of the movie. Right. He... I'm going to get to that point in a minute. See, we don't... Oh, okay. Because I have um, a little bit of a theory on that. The same thing when you actually have oh, the two okay. kids making out in the backseat of the car. Oh, yeah. So, I, I have a little bit of a theory on that part. Um, okay, so, after... I think they... After the whole thing at the diner, um, I think... Uh, doesn't he go to the, the book guy? Doesn't he call him and then go to him? Or... Well, he finds Gordon. No, no, else. no. Wait, I think that's after. That's when Gordon Gordon dies, and then he goes to the dude with the book. Right. Uh, remember, Gordon die dies. Uh, yeah, that's when he finds out Gordon died, and then he decides mm-hmm. he's going to go on ahead and find the author of this book that's about the Mothman prophecies. And what did you think? Leak. Right. And what did you think of the performance that he actually gave, and how frightened he was? to the point where he's like, I don't even want to talk about it. I think he did a good job. I am a little sad that, you know, we de- the, the movie's not as good as his performance is because he was sort of making it seem like the Mothman's a credible threat because he, like, talks about how, you know, the Mothman and being obsessed with it, like, ruined his life completely. People thought he was crazy. His wife left him. His kids don't talk to him. Like, it you know, ruined his life, so he does a good job of conveying, you know, hey, this is not something you should mess with. I'm just kind of sad that his, like, the rest of the movie doesn't measure up to his performance. I agree with you on that, and also, too, I do like the fact that he was actually believable enough to where he actually had to tell Richard Gere to drop the whole mm-hmm. entire thing, otherwise he's he is going to wind up losing people that he cares about, mm-hmm. or go nuts himself over this whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect of it, where he was actually believable enough. But you know, yeah. like you said before, there's also that one part too where Richard Gere, when he actually had Ingrid on the phone, he's actually recording her, and also too, he actually has the hotel hotel's landline phones discombobulated. Oh yeah, and like, how is this thing still working? <laughs> Right, which I don't understand how that ever works, and I just—I don't want to be Richard Gere when he finds out his bills probably five hundred dollars <laughs> for destroying the phones. I kind of feel bad but, for the motel owner because he's got crazy ass Richard Gere in one of the rooms, <laughs> and he's like up probably constantly. And the other motel people are probably like, "This dude is walking around at night. We can't sleep." He's like, look, Richard Gere's talking to him himself again. He's also listening <laughs> to that loud noise that's that's making him want to pass out. Can you check on him? And but, um, he did record. Um, is it Ingrid or Ingrid Cold? It's Ingrid uh, okay. Cold. Ingrid. Um, and I think he took it to somebody who was able to. Like, I don't know. They did something to the sound. Oh it yeah, was he so took weird it. because. In that scene, did you see that guy with the, the glasses of water and he was doing that thing where you do, go around the rim to make noises? Yeah. I, was I thought that was what that weird. dude was doing. Yeah, me too. I'm like, what is this guy doing here? <laughs> but he took it to an analysis to get it analyzed. Yeah. And 
I'm wondering if the guy with the glass was trying to figure out if that was something that could actually be made or was something that's actually a little bit supernatural to where um to the point where um it can't be made. The noise can't be made. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um so then Gordon da- so you said you had a theory about Gordon because what happens is I think he comes he comes back and like it's this is taking around place during Christmas and right. um they see Gordon's wife but Gordon isn't there and I think doesn't Richard Gere find him like on a bridge later? Yeah, he winds up well, he winds up the teenage boy on the bridge, but he finds Gordon outside dead from the exposure. Uh yeah. And because remember, what, what was your theory on this? So my thing is, I'm thinking because of the fact that he told Richard Gere, John, what happened with the 99 passengers, or maybe he, maybe the fact that they, the Mothman doesn't need him anymore since those 99 mm-hmm. passengers are dead. Yeah. So therefore, they he just winds up killing him. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. my theory on that one. See, just the thing is, is I felt like the way he killed him felt a little lackluster because they just find him outside next to a tree. So did right. the Mothman force him to sit out there? I don't know. That's actually something interesting because it doesn't give you any type of food for thought on how that actually happened, how he died. No, he doesn't. It, so. And there's like, there's a interest, there's something here it's just not being realized which is a shame because like well, i really do think richard Gere did you know, a good job and so did a lot of the other actors it's just mm. this movie feels so empty in a way mm-hmm. well don't forget he um whenever i say exposure he was actually has you know he was actually out there with hypothermia oh, yeah, so so i wonder if the during... moth it is during Christmas and it's there's snow everywhere. Right. So that actually makes sense. But at the same time, though, maybe the Mothman told him to stay outside and then that's when he died. I don't know. But I just feel like there was no use for Gordon anymore. So therefore, Mothman killed him. Yeah, that would make sense. I kind of felt bad for his it's... wife. I do, too. I feel bad for his wife and everything, especially whenever, you know, especially whenever he does the... Uh, cat scans as well because oh, remember, yeah, <laughs> remember when Richard Gere goes, Well, my wife died of a tumor and everything in her brain, yeah. so mm-hmm. maybe this might actually be the same thing. And then all of a sudden, he's like, No, there's something more. And his wife's like, No, there's nothing wrong with you. She's just, <laughs> you know, she just had it with him, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's obvious also she's trying to keep the peace, and she also, I think she can sort of tell her husband's gut like on the way to a mental breakdown, and she's trying to avoid that. And unfortunately, she can't. Like, I feel just really bad for her. And I'm like, oh, I hope somebody, like, when sends her some casseroles or helps her out during this hard time. <laughs> I felt bad for her. I do, too. Uh, but then John also becomes obsessed with this to the point, like, the author mm-hmm. in the book does. And, you know, that's whenever he meets. That's, of course, like I said, he ends up meeting that expert and everything. Alexander Leake. And then he explains the nature of the this discourages so after uh gordon dies that's whenever he goes over to the the author's house Mm -hmm. right but john uh 
learns the governor plans to tour a chemical plant located on the Ohio River. The following day, he becomes convinced the tragedy will occur there. Uh, Officer Mills and the governor ignore his warnings, which they think at this time he's a kook. <laughs> and, yeah, and nothing I'll, happens during um, the tour. Officer Mills is the, the pretty lady cop that he obviously develops feelings for. And because, you know, we have to have a, you know, we have to have a romance, it's, I guess. <laughs> but I've actually felt like their connectivity was kind of forced. I didn't really feel like there was, I didn't really feel like that there was any type of relationship vibe to them, if you will, like a love interest. Mm -hmm. I did not feel like, okay, you know what, these, because this is what I was thinking. I was like, you know, I don't feel anything to the point where it's like, you know what, they look like they could be a good couple. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And see, it just felt weird because I think he had only maybe been there for a day or two and she had already invited him over to his house. And I'm like, that's not how you do it. Like, I mean, she again, he came out of nowhere and she found him in someone else's house. And they were like, this guy has been ding dong ditching my house. You know, she's just sort of letting him into her life a little too easily. And I'm just like, you're a police officer. You should be smarter than this, but okay. Right. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to say this, and this is uh, because I live in a small town. Mm -hmm. But even with me living in a small town and stuff like that, where everybody knows everybody and stuff like that, and you're supposed to be a police officer, like you said, you have to actually put... Uh, your police officer, you know, uh, understandings to and everything on everything that you learned and analyze this guy to make sure this guy is actually not in not a danger to you. Yeah. At all. Because here's the thing. Whenever we see somebody new or whatever and stuff like that, we welcome them into our town and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we even open our doors to them. And, you know, yeah. just, just a small town community. Mm-hmm. That's how we are. Yeah. And I think I'm thinking that's where that they're trying to do with this, but at the same time, it also feels forced. Yeah, it does, because it just seems like I don't know. Not only like like it is a little interesting because when he approached Gordon, I'm like, dude, you are going to end up dead. Do not approach the dude who pointed a gun at you. But then Gordon sort of becomes like his ally, and I felt like that also just went over a little too easily. Right, because it wasn't like not too long ago you were pointing pointing the, your gun at him. And then especially whenever Richard Gare sees him outside in a convenience store getting paint and he crosses him. Yeah. So I found that odd. All of a sudden now they're bonding because they have this one thing in common, which is also, also why the police officer and him are also bonding because they have that one thing in common with the Mothman and because other people are actually seeing oh, yeah. these visions too. And it's not just Richard Gere. Because the officer also had a dream where she was, like, drowning. And this yeah. is going to actually come up later, but she was drowning and there were a bunch of presents around her. And um, there was also a voice, too. I think it said, wake up number 37. Yeah, that's what it said. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, after that, you know, it's like the off like Officer Mills is finally starting to be like, okay, you know what, maybe he is a little crazy, because she's starting to get really worried about him, especially when he's like, um, yeah, they told me that my wife, my, my dead wife, Mary, 
she's gonna um call me and she's back in georgetown and so i gotta go home and you know like the officer i i felt really bad for her too because she's obviously trying to help him and she doesn't it's obvious she's like i don't know what else to do like she's trying really really hard and she's like i have no idea what i'm supposed to do here i am out of my depth i'm out of my element Right, and then there's also that one scene too inside the police station with Richard Gere, if you remember, where mm-hmm. uh, th- she thinks that she saw his wife. Oh, well, yeah. Well, she doesn't know that's his wife. It was. So, what did you think about that part? I didn't. I found that one that part to be kind of weird, and I also felt like I don't really felt like we needed needed that scene. Like, if see, if they had set that up earlier, like he keeps seeing women who look like his wife he thinks he sees his wife that would make more sense but that scene just felt really random to me it really does if you actually think about it and it's like if it, like you said if they would actually set that up sooner and everything where he actually sees random girl women that actually looks like his wife that would work out work out so much better but just to have one random person to look like his mm-hmm. wife out of the blue it just doesn't Sounds suspenseful. Yeah. If, but there's also another thing too. Remember whenever he does call up the uh, author again, leaks, and yeah. he and leaks tells him to go on ahead, throw away everything that you have and everything, and move on with your life like I did. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Richard Gere does. He throws away everything, and then after he throws everything away. Then he gets a call from Connie saying, look, you shouldn't be alone. Uh, matter of fact, he goes back over to Chicago. It's a couple of days later, mm-hmm. and he gets a phone call from Connie. And then Connie tells him, look, you should not be alone on Christmas Eve. Come on back down to West Virginia. And, I mean, she kind of has a point. Like, he shouldn't – I don't think he should be alone because he's right. obvious he's not in the right state of mind. But I do feel like, Connie, you could have told him this while he was still in West Virginia. <laughs> right, but just to add suspense, let's go ahead and put him back in Chicago again and let him drag all the way back out to Pennsylvania, uh, to, back over to West Virginia. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he's wasting at. gas. Let's just... Uh, and see, that's how you kind of also feel is when the movie just becomes a little... I can't think of the right word. Maybe I want to... Convoluted, Maybe. Because, like I said, I or or what? Well, how about this word? I always use the word uh, "cookie cutter." Yeah, like it's a uh, mm-hmm. like it's chopped. Yeah, like I've noticed this happens a lot with horror specifically. Is that it'll become very cookie cutter? And now, see, the thing is, is as Richard Gear is going back to West Virginia, he reaches the Silver Bridge. And there's a lot of congestion. It's all the way backed up. And someone's like, oh, one of the traffic lights is malfunctioning. Um, and uh, Richard Gere, I guess, I don't know if he hears something or sees something, but all of a sudden he realizes, oh, this is where the 37 people are going to die. And the bridge, um, some one of the, what, I think it's one of the things that are is holding up the bridge, um, one of the ropes comes undone the cables yeah yeah one of the cables comes undone and it goes into the car with one of those teenagers yeah it was the teenager that was actually 
that saw the Mothman, yeah. the one that was making out in the back seat. Richard Gere was actually trying to get him to come yeah. out of the car. Because, like, Richard Gere's running remember, onto the bridge going, everyone get out of the cars, everyone get off the bridge, get off the bridge. And, it, like, it, I mean, of course, people are like, what the heck is this guy doing? But on the other side, Officer Mills, Connie Mills, also has gotten out of her car, and she's, I think, starting to realize something, too. I don't know if she saw right. something or heard something. Like, that part was also really confusing because you can't really see the well, bolts. They're all the way up near the, the, you know, the sky. So I'm like, how are they seeing this? It was really confusing. I'm thinking that there was, like, an unsteadiness with the bridge. Because okay. whenever one of those things actually, do, one of those cables did come undone, there is a little bit of a shaking of the bridge. She actually did feel some shaking. Mm -hmm. So that's when she winds up getting out of the car. Now, this is where it actually turns into Final Destination yeah. for me. And this mm -hmm. is also my theory, was the fact that, you remember whenever Connie said that everyone in that town had those yeah. visions? Guess what? What if Mothman decided to just go in and kill every single one of them and turn that into a ghost town? Because they saw all, because all those people saw that vision, so therefore, she, Mothman just goes on and hit and kills everybody on that bridge that was involved with that whole entire thing. Probably, I mean, that would make more sense because the thing is, they don't, again, they don't explain why the Mothman's doing any of this. Because what happens is, as you know, the cables are breaking, people are trying to run off the bridge, but unfortunately, you know, the bridge collapses and falls into the river and unfortunately of not everybody makes it a few people do including richard gear and connie he manages to save connie right and it was her dream that she had years ago she had like you know it was like a, a, a prophecy dream because she had birth uh, no not birthday presents christmas presents in her car and so when she was trying to get out she was surrounded by all these presents in the water Right, so that's pretty much the whole entire film. But I also felt like it was like anti climax. It really was. I because I was the, left very. I was left like not feeling satisfied. Same here as well. I, I mean, you know, like I said, I saw this movie last year. I really enjoyed it the first time go the first go around. Then I watched it the other night, and I still didn't feel like. I did the first time I watched it. Then I watched it again today, and I still felt that way. So I'm like, okay, so this is just something that I'm never going to feel feel yeah. again on my first experience viewing this film. Because now that I'm reviewing it, I'm realizing the problems that's actually in the film. Yeah. But this movie is based on actual events that occur between November 1966 and December 1967 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. This is also part of the trivia thing that I mm -hmm. found. <laughs> Um, there is a cameo role with the director oh, okay. in this. He played the bartender. Oh. He also, yeah, and he also played the voice of Ingrid. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. There's actually one thing that I want to mention about the production. Okay. Because they did during the filming. Yeah. Okay. Lakeshore Entertainment cut two million dollars out of the budget just days before shooting began. Oh my gosh! Did, so the, did they say why? Well, the director was uh, Mark Pilligan. He was furious and having vowed not to make the same con uh, concessions that plagued his previous mm -hmm. film back in 1999. 
But no, they didn't say why. They just went on ahead and cut the budget. So what I'm thinking is they're like, well, you can actually, we can actually cut the spending for this and, you know, and keep it uh, as a whole entire movie without having to do it and spend extra money that we don't need it, hmm. need on. Maybe that's why we don't actually see the Mothman then, because that probably cost a lot of money back in the day. Right. Especially, I know CGI was not the best. Nope. <laughs> don't forget, they actually had to CGI the bridge, oh, yeah. though, too. And the CGI for the bridge was not even that great either. Mm-hmm. That was like a horrible thing with the bridge. Oh, yeah. You can tell the bridge is not. But It's fake. It's really... Right. I, I mean, it could have been worse, you know, but... See, another thing also is this director, the most... He's mostly known for doing um, music videos. It's like... Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, I looked I ha- up his um, like filmography, and he's done a few movies, but what he's done most of is music videos. Like, the most recent ones he did, he did one for Imagine Dragons, uh, Damien Marley, and a band called Low. Okay. Like he's really- so, my, my thing is this, so... What's your thing? Go on. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what I'm thinking is from a studio's perspective, it's like, look, this is the guy's first film that he's mm-hmm. ever made. We're giving him this much money right now. And we're doing this on a wham to hope and pray that he actually knocks it out of the park. So we might have to cut this budget mm-hmm. in half to cu- uh, for production value. Yeah, Even though he made one film before that, but they're looking... Right, they're looking at one film before that that where maybe he actually maybe spent X amount of dollars on stuff that need, didn't need to be done. Mm-hmm. So they're probably like, you know what, we're not going to put our faith in this director as much as we thought we were, so we're going to go on hand and drop the production yeah. value. And like the thing is, is I, I'm looking at some of the other stuff he's directed. I have not heard of any of these other movies. Uh, what's the other ones that, uh, that's on his there's list? There's one called Going All the Way it, from 1997, Arlington Road from 1999. Arlington Road. I haven't heard yeah, that. Yeah, um, and then there was U2 3D. I, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> Henry Pool is here. I I've never heard of that. Now I melt with you. I've heard of that because it's a song lyric, but it's a 2011 art house drama thriller. Um, the Last Word, haven't heard of, and a film called Nostalgia that came out in 2018. Yeah, I haven't heard of Nostalgia. Yeah, I haven't heard of any of his other stuff, so... But but the YouTube thing, you might as well say that's like a music video, if you yeah. think about it, because of the fact that it's just 3D with a yeah, concert. Yeah, and like, this, I think, was during a time U2 was trying to, like, I guess come back into like the the public eye like i remember there was a time where youtube was everywhere right especially in the 90s we couldn't get away from we were trying to but we couldn't (laughs) especially with the right especially with the movie uh blown away oh yeah because they were actually featured in that soundtrack so yeah so i I'm going to be honest, like, I don't think this film is insulting or offensive on any level. I think it's watchable, but I would I, I would maybe only recommend this if you really like Richard Gere or if you're maybe bored and it's like, you can maybe get it free, then watch it. But other than that, I don't think I can recommend it. 
same here as well after watching it for the third time. And I'm also going to go a little bit on this on your lines, though, too, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, if you're bored, go on ahead and put it on. But if you want to see Richard Gere in something that's totally different different than what you normally see him in and you want to actually check it out, check it out because it's actually worth watching just to see his performance on how you think that he might actually do in a supernatural mm-hmm. type film. Of course, if you want to and see I him remember- in like something good, like if you want to see like him at his you know best, watch Pretty Women or Chicago. But like, you know, if you want to see him in something different, uh, yeah, go ahead and watch this. Right, or Primal Fear, which is actually a better movie yeah, than Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a better movie. And, like, I wanted this to be better than it was. It is. Was. It really is. I mean, like, Richard Gears is such a, a charismatic actor, and so it's just kind of a shame this wasn't as good as it could be. But, again, it's like, I'm not offended. I'm not mad that I watched this. I'm not like, oh, I demand my time back. It's just very, it's a, just kind of a mediocre experience, unfortunately. Right. I can understand that. And I'm glad that I got a chance to actually introduce you to a movie that you haven't seen before. So I was actually excited about yeah, that. Yeah, like, I, I had fun. I enjoyed it. I like sort of watching movies and, you know, especially horror movies. I like to watch them and see what people do in them. Because, you know, there's some horror movies where I'm like, these people are so unbelievably stupid. They deserve to get killed. And with this, I was like, some right. of y'all are stupid, some of you aren't. <laughs> It's half and half. Right. <laughs> so there is some smart writing. There is some dumb writing in this. Oh, yeah. And I also remember this. I remember in 2002, I was actually working at a movie gallery at the mm-hmm. time. And, well, I'll take that back. 2003 is whenever it came out on blue mm-hmm. DVD. And I remember seeing the poster for it. I'm like, this does not interest me <laughs> at that mm-hmm. time. But I remember com- carrying the poster home and hanging it up. And then they're like, oh, my friends are like, what's that? It just became like a conversation <laughs> piece. And, I, and they're like, what movie is that? I said, oh, it's a new Richard Gere movie. Did you see it? No, not really. It does not really I just took the it's poster about, home because I could. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And it's like, well, what's it about? It says Mothman on it. It has two brains. I said, I guess it's supernatural. I don't know. Maybe you might want to check it out. Because don't you work at a video store? Yeah, but I don't want to watch that one. <laughs> But yeah, see, and like, you know. I also like I was looking at how this was received, and it also kind of received mixed reviews. Like, you know, people were saying it's not like I think they were saying the same thing as us. It's like it's not awful, but it's not perfect. I also right, it's like mediocre. Yeah, and see, the thing is, I'm into cryptids. I love the idea of cryptids, and so I was sitting here, and I'm like, this is Mothman slander. Mothman is a good boy, and he wouldn't do these horrible things. Uh, <laughs> so, and like again, like see, I'm at, like I've gotten more into horror as the years go on, but so my biggest thing is like I've seen with bad horror, you need to give your killers and your monsters some sort of purpose. There's got to be a reason behind what they're doing. Even if it's messed up reasoning, you need to give us something. Like, you know, the Phantom of the Opera, his reasoning is messed up. But it makes sense because of how he is. You know, he wants to make the best musical ever. And he wants to have Christine as his, you know, muse and lover. But, you know, it's not going to work. But it makes sense within his mind. With this, I was just really confused about what was going on. Right, and not only that, but with the budget itself, don't forget, studios during that time is like, you know what, here's $6 million, for example, go make your horror movie, we'll make a little bit of money off of it, yeah. and that'll be the end of it. 
now it's mm-hmm. a whole different monster now. Like you can make a movie on thirty two million, but it's not gonna be like at Avengers Endgame or something. Like that is not a lot in like today's money. Like and the thing is in order for a movie to sort of be considered a success, it at least has to make back either double or triple its budget. This didn't even make back like mm-hmm. double its budget. It missed it by like twenty million. No. <laughs> exactly. And you know, that's something I wanted to talk about though too, real quick. Like, for instance, Don't Breathe was actually a mm-hmm. low budget film. And let me look up the budget. It only cost them nine million to make. Oh, that's not bad. And it, no, and it made a hundred and fifty seven point one million off of that. Oh, that's that, that's really good. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Right. It, which is also why we're getting mm-hmm. a sequel to that film. And this is like, yeah, that was really good. That's like so, more than about, that's like about, I don't know, six times its budget probably. I think. I can't really do math, but. Yeah. But yeah, I have to say, I agree with you that, yeah, I'm going to copy Jimmy Johns a little bit. Now it's a party if you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I would say. Like I said, but, you know, it's spooky season. If you're really bored and you're like, I like Richard Gere, if you can find it for free, watch it. But I wouldn't, like, pay for this. Don't pay for this. Right. Definitely not. That's it's on Amazon it. Prime. It's for free. Right. So you guys can watch it on Amazon for free. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go run through some stuff real quick. And then we can um, – then after that, I'll go on ahead and close you out, though. Awesome. Okay. Um. All right, so I am going to be having some more guests on. Tomorrow night, I'm actually doing a re- another movie review coming up, and I'm going to leave that a little bit of a, well, a little bit of a mystery. It's actually going to have me and Rossi is going to be awesome. back on the show, and we're going to be doing our, yeah, we're going to be doing our Sleepy Ooh, Hollow which, review. Which Sleepy Hollow, the Tim Burton one or the animated one? Oh, that's a good one. The Tim Burton. So we're revisiting that film. Then Thursday, I'm interviewing an independent writer and director. Oh, awesome. And then, yes, I'm really excited. They messaged me off of Instagram and everything. And these guys are really passionate. And just to let you know, guys, if you guys are wondering, well, how is this going to fit in with our 31 Days of Horror? I have some good news for you. They're going to tell you what two of their favorite horror movies are. And that way, it'll be oh, part of the 31 Days of Horror. Um, yes, I cannot wait to hear this. And then Friday, I actually have one of my other independent comic book writers coming on. And we're going to be reviewing uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So we already did Part 1, so now we're doing Part 2. So I guess it's going to be a ritual <laughs> between him and I. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And so, anyways, guys, if you guys want to go on ahead, you guys don't have to. You guys can go on ahead and donate towards the show. How you do that? You just go on ahead, go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. You guys can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other social media platforms. And of course, we also have a Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at John DiGorio 8 and also on Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter as well. Another thing too, guys, is we're on oh, SiriusXM yeah. now. We're going to um, get ready SiriusXM to be on Sirius Sir- bought us. Uh, yeah. 
Yep. So we're actually going to be a part of Sirius XM. And that's actually something I'm excited about. And of course, we're also on Amazon Music as well. We just got that platform yeah. last uh, last month. So mm-hmm. we're doing really good. So where can everybody follow you at, though, Nicole? Um, on Twitter, I am uh, Root Beer Floaty. You can find me there. Um, I'm actually posting a lot there these days. Um, I'm also on Tumblr at Root Beer Goddess. Um, and I, um, if you follow me on either Twitter or Tumblr, you'll see that I've published my latest short story. I'm very happy about that. Um, and that's, oh, thank you. That's really um, the two main places I'm at. All right, so that's the show for tonight. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night when I have Rossi McCree back. We're reviewing Sleepy Hollow. And then, of course, the independent uh, cinematographer and director is going to be coming in on Thursday. And then Friday, of course, we have the independent writer for his comic books that I interviewed last month as well. He's coming on, and we're doing a review for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And always, until next time, bye-bye. It's been a pleasure, Nicole, to have you back on the show again. I hope to have you back on the show Oh, I always love coming on the show. I always have so much fun. Thank you again for having me. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.